stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's chief equity strategist, John Blank, who's here with us in Chicago to talk about the economy, the trade war, where stocks may go, what should you be invested in? A lot of people tweeting at me about gold these days. No, I can't believe it. Can't believe you're suggesting gold. Bitcoin seems out of it, John. Like, I, I'm not getting any tweets. Nobody's sending me the Bitcoin charts. So that must have been pulled back some. Nobody's into Bitcoin. Um, what about those large caps? Seems like we're getting a bit of a rotation here out of some of the large. Suddenly, small is looking a little more interesting, but it could be a fake out. Same with value stocks. Suddenly, some value names are starting to get a bid. But I'm not sure I really believe that the growth is over and whether or not this bull market is over. I'm getting a lot of tweets at me that, you know, the doom is coming, but we've heard the doom is coming for several years now. Every time I have you on the podcast, it's the doom is here and we discuss it. But now I feel like the gold thing is kind of picking up the doom and gloom scenario at the moment. I don't know why, but people are are really into, you know, possibilities with gold. But I know you've just written an article here for Zach's about what kind of scenarios you see playing out with the trade war and um, scenarios for the stock market that I thought was really interesting. So maybe you might want to talk a little bit about what your predictions were in that article. All right, Tracy, I'll I'll start off with the trade war because that... yeah. What we need to understand here is why the recession risk isn't going up is because of the trade war uncertainty is going up. And that all goes to the core of what the trade war is about. Um, so I wrote that article to disentangle for myself what I would do, a solution to the trade war. If you, you were running, if you were... Yeah, if that. I were okay. actually advising, and I have okay. advised on the China trade deals yeah. 10, six years ago directly, and it did have an effect. So I'm not like a cloudless guy who's never done this. Right, right. So my point in doing this was to show in a page that I could answer the question of what's going on. So one <laughs> of the big driving myths here is no pain, no gain. Right. I just saw a statement by Secretary Munchen saying that China is having all the pain and the U.S. has none. Right. So the one stock market myth or negotiating myth here is no pain, no gain. So we had 900 suicides in Wisconsin farmers in the last year and a half. Yeah. The dairy That's the pain. It's not good up there. Yeah. Right. So we're going to get a trash our farm sector for the benefit of having authority over China by hurting them to get them to do deals on intellectual property. So I'll start with intellectual property. The way I looked into this is I realized there are three elements to this whole trade war. Number one, intellectual property. Yeah, that's now, That is one. a name, Tracy. It's not a tangible thing. It includes anything with trademarks, with, with patents, with knowledge, know-how, design, even marketing value added, right? That yeah. you know, branding, things like this. So the FBI in late July said there was a thousand cases of theft from intellectual property from China. Now, here's the thing. That's a valid issue. 
Now, how do we solve mm-hmm. it? Well, you would put a working group together with the FBI, who has that data on these cases, with the Chinese. And you would get information from them in a cooperative manner so that they understand this is happening, which they may or may not know. And they may actually have some value-added insights from their own investigations on the back end of what is going on. Now, then what would happen is we would go from a macroeconomic issue to 20 or 30 buckets of varying things that some could be resolved right there once we understood them, and they understood them better, to things that are intractable that don't actually matter. There's just not many of them. To things that are intractable that are extremely important. But the point is we would actually solve some things and whittle things down and get to the issues over time. Right. That's, that's how I would do it. I would not encumber intellectual property disputes with the Chinese, which are valid, with any other negotiations. And then I okay. would actually try to hive off relevant issues that I could solve immediately with their corporations. Yeah. Now, the other thing I would do with the Chinese in this thing, this is about outbound or inbound property that comes from the United States and it comes outbound and theft from the China. As they develop, the buy-in from them would be your outbound intellectual property as you get better. We don't want, you don't want to see, you want to see the same rules apply that we're developing now and the right. same tactics involved to save you on inbound theft back into China. The point is they would actually have some buy-in to get a stable set of agency, interagency cooperation, rules, understanding of all this, and you would approach that on its own. Yeah. So that is the first problem, which okay. is intellectual property will be best solved in this manner on its own over time and hiving it down, number one. Number two, the trade deficit with China and the United States is either $250 billion or if you throw on the Hong Kong inner. Uh, company transactions for the region, $500 billion. $500 billion is a fine number. Tracy, let's put out that in context. United States has a $21 trillion economy, so it's about 4% of our economy. So again, when we're wi- getting to later discussions on blowing up the entire world on 4% of the U.S. economy, and by the way, it's 3% of U.S. Ex- uh, exports, 3% of the economy from the Chinese perspective. So this is not one of the bigger mistakes here is this is not going to roll either, either player. Pain okay. is, I mean, again, 3%, that is like me, the equivalent of me punching you and causing five stitches to your arm. You will still come to work. You will not like me. Right. <laughs> you will stay away from me. Right. But you will function and you will heal. Yeah. I'm just not going to knock you out permanently. So okay. the point is, the real issue over the last 40 years and how these have developed is through a macroeconomic accounting identity, which when you overspend in your country, it will fall on imports. And so overconsumption in the United States has been caused by our federal deficits, which are huge and growing. And by the way, are about as big as this deficit number. You got 800 billion deficits. Well, by the way, that's eh, four or 5% of GDP. And a lot of it, by the way, because it's low cost in China, falls directly to China. So the point is, if you want to solve that problem, you have to take down the U.S. deficit, which is made in America. So now we have a new issue, made in America. If you want to make America great again, and made in America issues are what you want to get rid of, not what you create. The first one you don't want to get rid of is our deficit. We created it. It's in the United States. We own it. Right. We own it. And the problem is to solve it is a bipartisan thing. Why is it bipartisan? Because Republican people have to give back tax increases, yeah. and Democratic people have, and they have to cut military spending, 
And Democratic people have to let entitlements be addressed and right. healthcare spending being addressed, however they want to do it. Yeah. So it is, and again, a very thorny bipartisan thing. And you go over two to three years to whittle the deficit down in federal spending, which would then create less overconsumption, which would not fall on Chinese, and the thing would dry up. Now, this is actually what happens in Germany, the Netherlands, places that are run properly. They get their deficits under control and their trade issues dry up. So it's a totally different issue that is macroeconomic, and you have nothing in place whatsoever to address it. In fact, you're doing the wrong thing and you're going the opposite way because you're talking about tax cuts and increasing the deficit, which will only make right. it worse. Yeah. Only make it worse. And it has nothing to do with the intellectual property. So number right. one, two planks, you're doing nothing about one right and you're doing nothing about the other right. Yeah. And now we'll get to the third thing you are doing and you think you're smart about, which is tariffing. And you're tariffing only Chinese goods, and you're tariffing first industrial goods and now consumption goods. It doesn't matter. You're tariffing only Chinese goods. You think, well, they caused this deficit, so we'll make them pay for it. Here's what happens. They kick it back to whoever their suppliers are because they're actually midstream value chain people now. China is not a low end. They're midstream. Yeah. They go around. That's why half the deficit's through Hong Kong because half the stuff moves around the world. So the point is, that stuff is just counterproductive. It is slowing world growth down. It's slowing your own exports down. And it's slowing your own manufacturing down. So you want to unilaterally end the tariffs because they do not help in helping one extended negotiation take place with intellectual property and the other extended negotiation take place in your country to deal with your deficit. It's completely counterproductive. So again, you're going in the wrong direction with a third issue. So... At the end of the day, why the market's getting panicked about recession is the bottom line is those three things are going to keep going in the wrong direction under this leadership. If you can shoot me all you want, but I want to tell you one thing. Someone arguing on a podcast about balanced budgets, free trade, and respect for the rule of law is actually a Republican from the previous administrations. <laughs> I'm not talking yeah. a Democratic line, right? Right. So that's the other fascinating issue here is my rebuttal, my breakdown, my coherence is going to be ignored by a Republican administration, which is fascinating. I, I don't know what to say about that. They will write me off. We know what – I'll be usually the D word or the L word for me. Right. And these ideas I've thrown at you are paradigm classic centrist Republican ideas. Right. And that's what's strange here, and we have to understand that there's an intransigence to the mentality here. Because in truth, intellectual property, there's no pain. Putting 900 farmers to death in Wisconsin by cutting soybeans and corn to death and all these other things is not addressing the intellectual property issue whatsoever. And it's not anything that they – they can buy soybeans and corn from other places. That's really easy. Yeah, and so all you happening. do is you're hurting a farmer and you're not helping. You're not actually helping. So the pain, no gain thing, again, we, we there's a lot of wives' tales that sound right because you hurt them. But here we've gone through this analysis and it's just not clear any of the pain anywhere was helpful. The pain that would help us would be the pain of a bipartisan agreement that would cut the deficit. And so the pain that would help us would be health care cuts. The pain that would help us would be defense spending cuts. The pain that would help us would be raising some taxes on some people. 
That's the pain that would help us, Tracy. And that's not even on the table. And in fact, the opposite is. So the point is, this is the most convoluted, uh, cross-purposed idea of success. And it's just sad to see because real people are being hurt. And that's why I've spoken out about it. I think it's time for people to realize, look, the October meetings with the Chinese. Yeah, what happens there? Right. We have a point in time here out a year and a half in this whole thing, where this can be repositioned around this concept of three issues and just getting things whittled down a bit and getting them on board. Can they? Do you Uh, think? Well, I think the thing is, until you get, this is where I get to, I think if you want to get bullish on a U.S. deal with China, you have to have a new set of faces in the game, because I just don't think the same faces and the same negotiators will take a different route. So the president has to get that message and figure it out. And occasionally he does, by the way. Yeah. So the hope you have here is the president just comes to realize, I got to have new faces on this thing. And he either brings them in from outside the administration or he brings them in from inside the administration, which is, you know, it's up to him. But that's where hope would be drawn I don't think the Chinese, without that, will think anything other than, hey, you know what? We're still going to game this guy till the election. Well, that was my next question. What, what, do you, what do you think about the odds that they're just going to stall it out until November 2020? Right. They've already announced, they're, they're already announcing all the things we, you would expect. Consumption, improvement, measures, a litany of those, a reserve ratio cut, monetary yeah. policy, infrastructure spending, classic, right. classic moves. Yeah. So they're taking several steps and they're by the way their PMIs are 50 they're they're managing through this and they're not suffering so and by the way they control their news flow so they don't even right. have the ability to be have the incendiary elements of the attack uh, play any role through the media so the point is and by the way the chinese are getting more nationalistic about this not less so they're people are getting more behind the government right. so they are not hurting they're actually getting stronger and they're learning to deal without the U.S. And so they are going to come out of this and say, you know, we're a lot stronger as a country. We learned we learned after 25 years of development here, from okay, the Deng so, era to now, that we can stand on our own. So where does that leave stock investors? I mean, the stock market's been moving on every tweet from the president saying, oh, you know, the negotiations are going well, or or it moves the opposite direction if he suddenly announces more tariffs in a tweet. So where, what would you do if you're a stock investor then? Well, first of all, let, let's, let's remember that all the things I've discussed and everything that's happened, the stock market has basically gone sideways. Right. So that's fascinating. So what's been baked in here all this terrible stuff that's happened hasn't moved the stock market. It hasn't moved up or down. So what this tells us is that the pessimism is already baked in, completely baked in. Okay. And it actually, you can be more bullish than bearish about this because any any movement either towards the election as a resolution, towards tighter experiences, so less willingness to blow up things towards the election, things actually improve. So no matter what happens, just because time moves towards the election, the thing improves. So first point is, now that I've told you all the Sparrow stuff and showed you how uh, in conflict the three points are, that's actually bullish because I'm not telling you anything new. 
I'm right. just explaining how the market has functioned. Yeah. It's got up and down, up and down on these parade probabilities, getting higher, lower, higher, lower, and then it comes back to Earth. So now S&P 2980 today, let's assume we'll go back to 2900, more than 3000. Now, sometime in the next two or three months, we might actually break 3000. And that would be telling you something very different. And the other thing we're seeing here, as you mentioned about value stocks and international stocks, yeah. I would throw in there. Okay. With the stimulus, I'm seeing non-US stocks get bid, a bid, a very low ball bid, okay. a very early bid. But the other thing that can happen here is people sell the cyclicals like we saw today and start to rotate into these things that are lower, cheaper, and haven't been, and been run down because they say, you know what, the other bid is to just cycle out of the high bid stuff and move into low bid stuff. So yeah. then again, the S&P might flatten out, but there'll be plays in sectors and companies that have been, you know, healthcare stocks, for example, might be the best play right now. Okay. Because they've been beaten up. They have. And everything's bad, but they're actually the strong growth sector. And so you say, hey, you know what? I buy healthcare stocks on the bid. They're going to hang around there one way or the other after the election. And, he, and even you say, oh, God, no, the, I feel the burn, and Bernie's the guy, and we're going Medicare for all. <laughs> right. right. But the problem with that is the idea that the entire Senate becomes Democratic in the next election is another thing you're betting on. And if it doesn't, then that you can't feel the burn anyways. So, And then, by the way, you, even he gets in and feels the burn, and then he gets talked out of a lot of stuff. So the point is... It's a very logical bid to start buying stocks in healthcare. And so okay. then this, you what can say- What kind are you talking? Like the insurers? The insurers, like, yeah. Okay. Jump on the eight ball. Jump like on the UNH eight ball. Like UNH and Yeah, Centene. UNH, Centene. You know, those, you know, Molina. You know, we can go through okay. you know, Humana. I mean, and then like drug stocks that, you know, they have divvies that, that pay well, not the interest rates have fallen apart. Yeah, you know, you Bristol Myers has been been bid to been beaten up to pieces. Nobody likes it, so you right. buy it and earn the dividend until it turns around. I mean, there's there's ways to think through pockets of sectors. Even like let's take industrial names. I mean, I looked at a name today, Maztec, which is oh yeah. Mm -hmm. You say Maztec, that's an industrial name. Yeah, you know what? They make Infotech fiber optic cables and stuff like that. MTZ. Yeah, ticker. right. Which does just fine in this environment because. What are we doing? We're doing a podcast. What is going to the computer? What do they need is 5G quality sound and video. It's never going away, no matter what happens to the trade war. So again, you want to look for things that just endure in the midst of all this noise okay. and then wait for the bid. What about the big banks here? Because they were down on their luck pretty bad because the Fed is it's allegedly hard. still going to be cutting here. But some of those dividends are looking a little, you know, interesting. Like even Bank of America, they're trading at 10 times right now. Yeah, but here's a the problem. They hold the bag on the recession risk. Okay, that's why I'm asking about yeah, the, the problem the with the whole thing is they hold the bag on default risk. They hold the bag okay. on, on... So you don't like any of the banks right here? I don't think you like the banks because the problem here on the bear side is the intransigence can lead to a recession and they hold the bag. Okay. They hold the bag. And then by the way, they also get not improved by lower rate interest. Right. So the exactly. rates go down um, and then they have they hold the bag and the risks. So I don't actually think you rotate to banks. I, okay. I think that is, again, you can be contrarian, but I, as an economist, I think the bet would, and again, a lot of this has already been done and already priced in. So the, the only right. way you get bullish is to say, 
correctly, maybe, that it's already priced in. Everything John said has already been priced in. Yeah. And that's that's fair. Yeah. I'm not telling you anything that anybody hasn't thought about. Right. I know with some of the health insurer stocks, they get pretty volatile in like about the year before a major, major national election because of what has been done in the past with Obamacare. Like before the 2008, it didn't really impact because everything was being sold off then. But 2012, people got a little nervous that, you know, Obamacare could be repealed or whatever. And so then they were selling those health cares. And now we do have Medicare for all. So it's been hard. I've had them in a couple of my portfolios and they haven't, you know. They just stagger around. Yeah. But again, like if you, again, saying, saying something staggers around in a market that goes sideways too. Right. It's holding right out there. Yeah. (laughs) It's holding in. It's market performing. I mean, the thing about this whole market, uh, you know, I run the large cap trader and you just look at it and I win here and I lose there and it goes nowhere. And by the way, that should happen when the markets go nowhere. Right. Right. I, you know, it is it is what it is. What about um, the value versus growth scenario then? Because some of these names that we were just talking about are more on the value side. Yeah, see, I think value still gets low bids because you have the energy stocks in there that, that yeah. don't do well in a global recession. Uh, you have the, the banks in there, a lot of the regional ones particularly, you know, that don't do well in this environment. So it's just it's just not there for them. Okay. I think you do pick up. Do you for, wait to see some of these growth names, like so the software? Yeah, until they get blown up back? enough and they pull back. Okay, then yeah. you would be a buyer. I would be a buyer. Those. I think okay. you, you know you just. I mean, it is what it is, and I think you got to look. The, the The real stealth play is where if there is a bid in some of these international names, because the entire world's been shut down and blown up for two years now, um, but. It's now the intransigence I'm talking about with the trade war has become accepted also in the policy discussions outside the United States. So there's much greater acceptance of if that's not going to fix anything, then let's do it ourselves. So again, the way the market can think, and we're already seeing it, is Merkel gets the message. She was over in China the last week. She's like, look, I'm done with the whole USA thing. I got the memo. Right. And so there will be a stimulus. Man, you know, they be German and stay really t- defined about it, but they can spend and think this through in a German way to a stimulus. And the Chinese can start to engage in a dialogue with them about improving their trade flows outside this intractability with the United States. It had nothing to do with them, really. And they can start right. to do things. So what's happening, you can see, is we can oversubscribe and not understand these perspectives that are not in the United States, right? Yeah. And so I think there's a play there. Okay, so we haven't talked much about the Fed and them cutting. Is that like a non-factor really in the stock market here, strangely? Well, the Fed... Or is I mean, it because that's baked in too, that they're just going to cut a couple yeah, more times? We've already, we know the, the September rate cut is baked in yeah. for the long rates. They're already where they are. By, I mean, the fact there's zero inversion is basically telling you that the, they've already baked that whole thing in. So what would really be needed to create some element, and then this is the problem, and they go another 100 basis points off where they are now, then we probably yeah. do have a recession. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is they probably will cut another one or two down just because the ECB will force them to. And so you can say, what does that do? Well, right. not a lot. 
Okay. Again, it's it's more to the telling me how to get a stock bid up because there's nothing to do with bonds than it is to do with the banking sector. It has to do with there's going to be less and less value in the bond market. So this, again, can be have counterintuitive effects and you get 3,100 out of the S&P because there's just absolutely nothing to do with bonds now. Yeah. So where does this put you in as far as gold? Have you ever been a gold no, I, investor? I'm, I'm a, not, I, I changed overweight on gold to 1,600. Okay. I think the bulls can move it back to the chart level of 1,600 and then they'll start selling it. Some of them are already doing it, but I think you'll get a rebounce and a rate run to 1,600. Okay. Because the charts just tell you that they have to get up and push either to 1,600 and lose their momentum or go through it. And so after 1,600, I think, I'm not a bull, but I think there's eight or ten percent, well, five or ten percent from here. You got in now, you don't have as much as you think, right? And you should have got in at twelve or thirteen hundred on the run out of the range. It was doing eleven to twelve hundred for years, so yeah. when it busted out, you should have run from twelve to fifteen. Coming in now, you're you're there's not a lot left. Okay, so you're chasing basically. You're chasing, chasing the very way. last end of the momentum, but okay. I think the momentum is up to the upside until you reach sixteen hundred. You know, so you a pull back here to fifteen hundred, you buy it to sixteen hundred, then then you sell it. Okay. And for people who don't want to buy gold coins out there, you can buy the GLD ETF. Right. And I would I would tell for investors, not now. Traders, momentum. Right. Investors, definitely not now. Okay. It's a trading environment for gold and it's a short term one. The investing That's what the, I tried to basically tell the dumbest thing ever to buy gold now. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, this is good. We covered a lot. We didn't cover Brexit, though. What's going on with that? Do we care? Does anyone care? No, Brexit... Other than if you're in Britain, obviously, but... Brexit actually, again, is... The lows are in on Brexit. Okay. That's again, baked in, too? It's baked in. Okay. The lows are in, and the environment can only improve from a low. That's true. And the okay. again, the intransigence and the attractability is going to grind its way into an election, just like the United States... And then it's going to lead to a different political environment, which either has no effect on improving things or it actually does allow some change. But again, it's all about as long as you're grinding towards the election and there's a hope for a change that it, the market can put, well, you're bullish. Right. It's bullish. So, I mean, okay. I, I want, that's what point I want to point out here is, uh, okay, now you heard bullish. all this, but everything you heard is nothing new to the market. Okay. No, right? that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So one other final question, um, since I usually do have you on for, is is a recession coming? What What is the view on that? Okay. I mean, a lot of these let's, indicators let's, are, are saying- right. But we've done this every show. I know. And now, what's the answer? We go to the bottom of non-farm payrolls, look at the revised three-month payroll number. It's right? 156. So now I've told you, Tracy- that payroll growth in the United States has to be 150 to cover the new entries from population growth on, right. on 150 million civilian population. So we're at that level. What does it tell you? It tells me there's no recession. Or it's on the verge. It could be coming. Maybe. It tells you... Because we're right on the number. We're just at full employment and there's right. no slack. And the market is just for those new entrants. And it's just filling okay. the new entrance. So it's telling you nothing. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's more bearish than it is on recession than bullish because yeah. it's telling you full, full tight markets are here. 
So there's no resource upside to the United States economy, and that's not a good thing. So it is bearish because we're only doing replacement job entries. Right. So that actually is bearish because tight markets are not healthy because you can't grow very much. So right. 2% GDP more than three and lots of one and one and a half percent GDP prints. Okay. That is not recessionary. No. Mm-mm. Right? That's so, the muddle through. Right. That and that's what had. we're seeing now with the recession risk rising, which is calling for a year out from now, some uh, problem emerging that, that takes us into recession because they're simply, we're going to s- just grind our way down. And then someone who got too, too euphoric, the apartment builders, the condo developers, they all sell the 10% growth number and they all go, no, it's like nothing but 1% population growth. And we're like left with all this inventory and then price cuts happen and then bonds start to fall and loans blow up. Yeah. So what happens here is too many people bought the Trump tax euphoria, they went over, did it, and they now in a really stagnant growth environment. And the stagnant growth environment is not being accounted for. Okay. Um, could we see if the companies, like say, for instance, over the holiday period, you know, a lot of people hire seasonal workers. I just saw that Target wants to hire 100,000. <laughs> And UPS also said a hundred thousand. I haven't seen Macy's, but I'm assuming it's something like seventy to a hundred thousand. There, where where are all these people coming from? Plus, we have census. They're hiring a million people for the census. How how are any of these jobs going to be filled? Is that a bad? That seems like that's a bad thing for the economy if they can't fill them. Well, again, it's this is not worth discussing because on 150 million civilian labor force, we're in the Eight to seven, eight tenths of it. So okay. it's irrelevant. Okay. It's just basically irrelevant. Okay. It it might well, move. That's good to the, know. <laughs> it will move the unemployment rate down seasonally from three seven to three five or two or four. Right. And bounce. So the point would be there is anything that improves the unemployment rate here will be ignored by the market. Okay. Because it's irrelevant. But this tight job market, we're not seeing the wage gains like everybody thought. Not yet. I mean. This is the thing. I mean, but see, it's not the wage gains that's going to blow up the things. It's the the euphoria two years ago that we're having this big growth spurt that if if people invested in the financial markets, in the loan markets, then all this stuff on that story, yeah, and this reality comes to them, then the blow up happens. Because again, we we're looking for excesses, right? And they're going to be in the banking system, not in the labor okay. market, right? Right. So what happens is. And you see it here in sh- Chicago, Wolf Point, you know, there's going to be two, now three buildings, right? The prison right. building and that thing and all these things. And they're all really nice. And I went down to Middle Empire. There's another few huge South Loop condo buildings. Yeah. So at some point, um, they they overbuild it. That's what we keep waiting for here. Yeah, right? it, hasn't it hasn't happened. happened. No, it hasn't happened. It's ninety four percent lease. Yeah, it's not. It's not showing yeah. up. So what the, the thing is, it's not happening. And there's enough in migration from the outer areas, and yeah. there's enough corporate migration that's supporting the jobs that it's working. So they're getting the model right, and they have thought about it. But the point is, do they think like this stagnation, uh, or do they have some in their pro formers that they're all going to do five percent? 
additions or whatever. You know, I can see what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't know that this dialogue. We don't know how these loans were sold. We right. don't know the Bank of the Ozarks pro forma. Right. We know they did it. Right. We they've, just don't know what they think. They've been loaning for right. sure here well, in Well, we Chicago. just don't know what they thought, right? Yeah. And if I look and it goes, it's Bank of the Ozarks is now zeroing out uh, growth in their portfolio performances yeah. and they're still fine, then we're good to go. If they okay. get real like, John, you're crazy. No, we left the 5% numbers in for 2020, 2021. I'm going to go, you know, man, that's that's how we're going to do this. Okay. So it all comes down, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bank of the Ozarks, <laughs> which is now Bank OZK or something. Right. It has a new name because right. they're trying to like, Yeah, and they be all, cool. we're looking for some bellwethers. They're the name. Yeah. And they if they blow up, then there, a lot of them will blow up. Okay. Yeah. That's the key. I always say that every time because they were very early in the earnings season. So you might want to be on the lookout for Bank OZK and listen in on their conference call. Yeah. Okay. So let's go over a whole bunch of the stocks that we mentioned here today. Um, we talked about like some of the health insurers. You might want to check them out. UNH is United Healthcare. Centene, CNC. CNC. Um, we talked about MassTech. That's kind of an interesting infrastructure play. MTZ. We talked about some of the banks. Bank of America's BAC. Gold is GLD. If you want to buy the ETF that with the gold in it. And Bank of the Ozarks is OZK, I believe. So you can check that one out. What is the Bristol Myers? Is that BMY? BMY. Okay. So some of those drug stocks are kind of interesting and you get that dividend for your patients while you're holding on. I do feel like dividends are kind of key here in this type of market. When it's a flat going nowhere, you can at least get a couple percent or maybe even better with some of these. Right. Yeah. I mean, low expectations are met and you outperform and you're doing a 3%. Yeah. BMY, you get a 4% dividend, so the market goes zero, you get four, you wait it out. Right. Yeah. Um, that's not a bad plan. Not a bad plan. No. You just got to lower your expectations. Like I said, it's all right. about, you have the stock investor, you're just like Bank of the Ozarks. If you think you're going to knock it out of the park here, you're just stupid. Yeah. Okay. Right? That's the point is we're in a so that's why low maybe returns some, environment. Yeah. If you're going to get it right, you're just looking for low returns that are good. Okay. That's good advice. Okay. I think that's pretty much what we talked about today. And it was a lot, but it always is whenever we have John on the show and he'll be back again later on at the end of the year and we can be discussing what's going to be looking forward here in 2020. That's always exciting shows but we got a couple months to wait and a couple uh more and uh, at least one more earnings season to get through so you don't want to miss a single episode of the market edge you can subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. we are also on spotify now and of course i know many of you are on soundcloud but you can get us over there with the value investor podcast two for one podcast time on SoundCloud, but be sure to get us somewhere. And as always, I'll be back again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.